Now, 33 years ago, today, little Scott and Caroline sat with their mom and enjoyed a wonderful breakfast together. It was, it was an exciting day. More than that, it was the prelude to a historic next day. In fact, as as Scott and Caroline, as they sat with their mom, Krista, not too far away, there sat this majestic example, the embodiment of American accomplishment, the space shuttle. It was over to our east, there at Cape Canaveral, ready for what was going to be for all of the wrong reasons a a truly historic mission. Thirty-three years ago tomorrow, seventy-three seconds into what was to be this amazing experience for the first teacher in space and six other crew members. The space shuttle unexpectedly disintegrated into an infinite number of pieces. Many of you are like me. You were You're watching its ascent on television and and everything looked normal, everything looked fine, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And in in an instant, just four seconds after the commander was told, you're good to go to power up. Roger, good to go, last thing the commander Dick Scobie would ever say. Because in those just next few seconds, gone. As they, as they researched why, they discovered this. They discovered a, it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a major malfunction. It, it wasn't a, a, a huge issue. It was an O-ring. An O-ring, one of the simplest pieces on this massive piece of machinery. Even more, they knew that it was a problem in 1977. And yet they did nothing about it because it would only be a problem if it was in really cold weather and it never gets cold in Florida. Even that would have been survivable. Except as they as they began to ascend, there was an uncharacteristic wind shear that actually ripped into the part where this O-ring was and caused it to just flake out, allowing the gas to escape and that explosion to take place. All too often, it's the little things, isn't it? 
It's the little things. Not, not, just, not just in the story of America's space exploration program, but in your life and mine, it's the little things that tend to do the biggest damage. It's the little things that tend to wreak the most havoc. It's the little things that keep us from walking in the fullness of all that God has for us. You know, God's Word is true when it says that it's, it's His desire that you be blessed. It's His desire that you be blessed. It's His desire that you live in this wonderful and fulfilling life. Life is not meant to be endured. It is absolutely meant to be enjoyed. God's not called you to simply survive, friend. He's called you to success, and not just success. He's called you to a life of significance. And yet, we get tripped up by the little things. The little things. That's the little foxes. It's the little things. Nehemiah, at the, the end of Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah prays what I believe is an, an interesting prayer and a challenging prayer and a powerful prayer. He says this in, in Nehemiah 5, 19. He says, remember me, O God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Remember me, O God, for good. Bless me, O God. It is a, it is a statement that we see numerous times in Scripture. It's a, it's a prayer that we'll find a number of times in the counsel of God's Word. And what fascinates me is each time I see it in the Word of God. It's a prayer that the servant of God offers, not in desperation, but they pray in confidence. Bless me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, O God. Nehemiah's prayer is even more telling. Because Nehemiah gets it. Here's what Nehemiah gets. Nehemiah gets the fact that what is written in Galatians is absolutely true. That that which we sow, we reap. That which we sow, we reap. Even in the little things, that which we sow, we reap. In fact... The seed, the seed, there's a, there's a saying that hangs in the, in the guest bathroom at my parents' house, and it says this, in the bulb there is, the, there is a flower, in the seed, an apple tree. Unrevealed until it's season, something God alone can see. It's incredible to me that, that out, of a, out of a seed, a, a majestic tree can grow. And yet I, I see it regularly in my yard. If, I, if, I, if I'm not careful in, in how I deal with my landscaping, the, the seeds will fall off the palm and I've got all these little little baby palm trees that appear in my yard, right? If I, if I leave them unchecked, they'll grow into big palm trees. 
In fact, we have a palm tree in the back in our landscaping, back by our pool, that I, I found this, I found this rogue palm tree growing in my shrubs. I had missed one of those little, those little things that popped up out of the ground. And by the time I noticed it, it was, it was about this tall, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to transplant this thing and see if it survives. Got to tell you, it wasn't looking good. In fact, I wanted to rip it out, but my wife kept saying, wait, wait for it, wait for it. It's looking pretty good now, and I look forward to in years to come what that, what that tree becomes out of a, a tiny little seed. How about the seeds in your life today? How about the seeds that you're, that you're even unaware of? See, Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah knew that there were seeds that had been planted, and here's what he said. God, remember me for good. Bless me in accordance to that which I have sown. So this morning, just for a few moments, I, I want to I I look at how Nehemiah positions himself to pray this bold prayer. Because I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there's a message in it for you and I. I'm convinced that what Nehemiah did, that it's a pattern that we can follow. And understand this, friend. It is God's desire. It is God's intent. It's his plan that you live life blessed. I am, I am grateful for the people that God brings into my life. I'm grateful for the relationships, those, those, those friends that are an encouragement to me, some that are as iron sharpens iron, right? So one sharpens another. And, and I'm thankful for the examples. And In fact, at the end of the service today, I want to take a moment to honor and pray for an individual who's become truly a great friend of mine. And that's Frank St. John. Most of you are aware of this, that Frank and Fresia are moving to Dallas because they're abandoning us. Well, truthfully, they're not abandoning us. God, God, has, God has rewarded Frank and given him a yet another significant uh, a promotion within his company. And, and this is a young man who, who started as an intern and now has, has worked his, his, his way up to a, a high-level position as an executive in one of the top companies in America. And it, it would be easy for somebody, Frank, it would be easy for somebody to look at your life and go, man, if I had what he had. But the reality is this. God blesses us in accordance with our faithfulness and obedience. And you sit here this morning as a man who's blessed because of that faithfulness. And there's a significance in that. You, you can pray confident prayers because of the, the time that you've put in on your knees, because of the time that you've put in in service to the kingdom. You've served for years in leadership of this church because this church recognized your faithfulness to the principles of God, standing on the promises of God, desiring more than anything to be in the plan of God. Now, I have a hard time believing that the plan of God is for you to go to Dallas and not continue to hang out with us here in Orlando, but that's okay, I'll get over it. And the good news for you is if I'm right and you're wrong, which is probably the case, that God will still show grace to you. 
Nehemiah, though, Nehemiah, listen, he, he, he positioned himself for blessing. How is it that he did this? First of all, Nehemiah walked with integrity. In fact, if you look at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 5, it tells us this. It says, now there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their fellow Jews. In fact, some were saying, we and our sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us acquire grain so that we may eat and live. Others were saying, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and houses so that we may acquire grain because of hunger. And so others are saying, we borrowed money for the king's tribute against the value of our fields and our vineyards, and now our flesh is the same as that of our countrymen. Our children are like their children, but we are subjugating our sons and our daughters as servants. Indeed, some of our daughters are already in bondage, and we are powerless to do anything because our fields and vineyards belong to others. Nehemiah says this, I was very angry when I heard the outcry of these words. Now, what is it that Nehemiah is angry about? Well, here's what happens. Nehemiah comes from the citadel at Susa. He comes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to restore the honor of this great city. And when he does this, here's what he finds. He finds that that many of his countrymen, that they have because of of their, their need really to survive, and, and not being able to get this resource on their own, what they've done is this, is they have sold themselves out in this, in, this, in this form of servitude, in this form of bondage, in this form of slavery, basically to survive. And Nehemiah comes, and he comes with this resource, and what he does, he along with his, along with his team, they, they buy these people back out of slavery. And he's buying them back out of slavery, and what happens is this, is, is the folks that had, that had been there, the, 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 some of the wealthy and, and some of the noblemen, those people that had influence, rather than recognizing what God was trying to do, they saw this as an opportunity for them personally, selfishly, to leverage the moment for their own good. And so what was happening was, Nehemiah is buying these people out of slavery then the, the local officials and the noblemen are putting a heavy burden on the people and causing them to be sold back into slavery. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah finds he's having to buy the same people out of slavery over and over again. He's like, seriously, do you understand that we have come here to help restore this city? We have come to, to, to put a wall around you to where you're not defenseless. This isn't foreigners that are doing this to the people of Jerusalem. It's those that have opportunity that are actually taking advantage of the disadvantage of their very own people. You can hear the outcry of the people. They say, listen, this is, this is flesh of our flesh. We're the same people as them. And yet we find ourselves being, being, being placed in bondage over and over again. And Nehemiah says, listen, you have to stop this. Do you understand that I have come? Listen, I have come, my brothers have come, and we're giving to the people, we're loaning to them as well, but we're not charging them interest. You have to stop this. In fact, Nehemiah says this. He says, I'm going to shake the edges of my, of, of my garment. In essence, here's what he does. Okay? He takes his pockets and he pulls them out, inside out. It would be the equivalent of doing this. And he says, you see this? May your pockets be as full as these empty pockets if you don't fix this. And Nehemiah is able, he's able to rebuke them and bring correction 
Because Nehemiah himself walked with integrity. Nehemiah did not leverage his position. He did not take advantage of the situation. Because he understood that God's principle that whatever you sow, you reap. Now, the idea of sowing and reaping, it doesn't happen immediately. There's seed time and harvest. But make no mistake, friend, that which you sow, that also will you reap. And so, Nehemiah, at the end of Nehemiah chapter 5, he can pray this prayer because we see at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 5 that he's sowing good seed. Here's what he's doing. He's sowing seeds of, of character. He's sowing seeds of integrity. He's also, he's sowing seeds of humility. Nehemiah does not leverage his position. For Nehemiah, it's not about, hey, look at me. I'm the important guy. Look at me. I'm the champion. Look at me. I'm the person of greatest significance. He understands it. He understands it. That we reap what we sow. You know, if anyone had told David this, maybe the story would be different. But David, in his interaction with Bathsheba, David, if you look at the, at, at, at the, at the, the right-hand side, the right-hand side, if you look at the right-hand side of, if, the, if, if you have the Ten Commandments, those five commandments on the right-hand side, David breaks all five of the commandments on the right-hand side as he gets caught in this issue with Bathsheba. Right? And it just snowballs. And the long-term impact, if you follow the story of the life of David, his family literally crumbles apart. David has a, a son who rapes a daughter. He has a, a son that, 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 that leads a revolt against his leadership, against his kingdom. And it, it was, listen, it's all fruit of David instead of when the kings go off to war, instead of David going off to war, him sitting in, in, on the patio at his palace and looking down at Bathsheba and saying, somebody go get her, I want her. I can guarantee you when he did that, he didn't think about the consequences. He didn't think about the ripple effect. But that crisis of character ends up impacting an entire nation. And friend, God brought you here today not for you to feel guilty, not to put you on blast, but to let you know that the O-ring in your life, those little things in your day that are compromising your character that are damaging your integrity. That it's robbing you of the blessing that God has for you. And the blessing that God wants to flow through you to impact and influence and help others. The integrity of the upright will guide them, God's word says. But the duplicitous will be undone. How about this this morning, ma'am? How about this this morning, sir? How about we be honest with God about those little issues in our life? And we give it to Jesus. We do so in, in honest, in honest humility. Here's what it says in, in Nehemiah 5, 14. It says this, Moreover, from the time I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year, 
It's 12 years. 12 years. Neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. Why? Because Nehemiah understood what Jesus would later tell us, that, that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. There's something wonderful that happens when we understand that what we think we deserve, we really don't deserve. What we think we're entitled to, we're really not entitled to. Friends, if you live at the poverty level in America, you are in the top 12% of the wealthiest people in the world. Let me say that again. Right? Because it's easy, especially in the political climate that we're in, it's easy for people to go, yes, we should tax the rich. We should tax the super rich. Well, let me tell you something. If we want to tax the super rich, friends, all of us, all of us fall in that line because you are among the 12% of the, you're among the wealthiest 12% in the world. And and it's easy for us to lose sight of that and to think that we are owed something or that, we're deserve, or that we deserve something. And, and, and Nehemiah, when he, when he goes to Jerusalem, he's put in the position of, of governor. And, and, and rather than allowing that to go to his head, here's what Nehemiah recognizes, that he's put in the position as governor because of the work that God wants to be done, not because he's some super amazing guy. Whoever wants to be great must discover the power and the strength of what it means to serve. In fact, it's this, this is the statement about Jesus himself, who being God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians declares, but he humbled himself and took on the role of a servant, it's no surprise because Jesus himself said this, said the son of, my, son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to notice this because it's, it's an important thing to recognize. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Let me say that again. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Nehemiah was a man of profound humility, but he also, he functioned with a resolute confidence. Humility is not timidity. Humility is understanding where the source of your strength, where the source of my strength where the source of your wisdom, where the source of my wisdom, where the source of, of all that we use to resource life, where it comes from, understanding that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. 
And Nehemiah recognizing that God is his source, recognizing that God is his strength, recognizing that God is his shield, recognizing that God is his guide. He didn't look at the position, the title that he had as governor and go, I deserve it. What he did do is he looked to his God and said, God, I know you are faithful. And God, it's not because I deserve something, it's because you're faithful to your promises. And so he operates in this, in this, in this, in this wonderful humility, and in that, not only does it operate in humility, but he also practices generosity. You know, I, I struggle, I, I, I genuinely struggle with the hurdle that the church has to get over because of of a bad faith that, that some in the religious circles do. I struggle anytime we have to talk about in, in any aspect of stewardship because I never want people to get the wrong idea about me personally or about Calvary collectively. And yet I, I cannot get away from the undeniable principle in the word on this issue of God wanting us to be generous towards him to where he can be generous back towards us. This idea that when we give our time, when we give our talent, when we give our treasury to God, you know what I've noticed? I've noticed this, that people who consistently invest their time in kingdom work, man, God blesses them with amazing, amazing productivity of their time. Now, God can't give you any more seconds in the day than he gives you. But it's amazing what happens is we get so much more done in the day. Life just kind of, it just fits together and things kind of work. Talent, when, when people say, listen, I have this talent, I have this ability, I want to use it for kingdom good. It's amazing how God will use that talent to take you forward and to bless you. Treasury. I have never, listen to me, I have never had somebody come to my office dealing with financial distress that, were, that, that they, when they walked in the door, they were obedient to God and what God's principles say regarding financial stewardship. Never once. I've also, I, I, in, in, in 30 years of ministry, I've never experienced somebody who was obedient to God's word. Even in times when they were starting out in financial stress, when they were obedient to God's word, and God didn't bring promise. Gary Allen, I want you to come forward real quick. Gary Allen is one of the heroes in my life. Pastor, come here. And uh, I, got, I have to tell a quick uh, Pastor Allen story. When I was his youth pastor, I don't even know if you remember this, Pastor, but when I was his youth pastor, he, he one day, he, uh, you always have folks come and they always, you know, people are always desperate, right? Come on, Pastor. They're always desperate, always wanting money. And, uh, and one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life, okay? And so he would always respond to folks who'd come to have a need. And he, he, one day he said, it has finally happened. Because people come and they want the church to give them money, they want church to give them money, they want church to give them money. Uh, and they always say, when we get where we're going, we'll send you a check. Never happens, does it? <laughs> so he, he, one time he said, he goes, 
It has happened. After 40 years of ministry, somebody sent a check. He was so excited that somebody finally sent a check. So he ran the check through. Do you remember the story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how was the check? It bounced. <laughs> it bounced. <laughs> the account was closed. That was the only check he ever wrote that bounced. That wasn't mine. <laughs> so I have a question for you. How, how many years were you in pastoral ministry? 28 years pastor and then in some leadership development, but 28 pastor. So in all those years in ministry, did you ever encounter someone who was obedient to God's principles on stewardship that faced financial devastation? No, they'd face times of difficulty, but they always came through with victory, and God always honored His Word. Yeah, and God, God, would, God, would, use, God would use those moments to carry Him to even greater heights. Absolutely. Amen? Absolutely. Did you ever have somebody come, to you, come into your office that they were... They were, they were struggling with finances and they couldn't get their finances fixed and there was no hope and they were tithers. No. Not once. I want you to think about this. That this is, guys, this is collectively over 60 years of ministry. We've never experienced it. Here's the reason why. Thank you, Pastor. Because God's principles work. Because God's principles work. See, and Nehemiah knew that. And because Nehemiah knew that, that's the reason why at the end of Nehemiah chapter 5, this man who, who understood integrity, who walked with humility, who demonstrated generosity, he was able to stand on God's promise and, 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 and grab hold of God's plan regarding principles of stewardship. Maybe for you, maybe for you, what's keeping you from experiencing God's blessing is, is a character issue. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Even if I were to bring you to an altar right now, you'd go, I don't need to go to an altar because it's not a big deal. It's the O-ring in your life. Maybe for you today, it's a, it's a pride issue. I, I, don't, I don't have big pride. In fact, I'm more humble than he is. Right? I know I'm a better Christian than she is. And that... That pride is, is keeping you from, from experiencing God in His fullness. That pride is keeping you from experiencing your healing. That pride is keeping you from stepping in to the position of significance that God wants to bring you to. There will be a blessing to you and your family and impact a community, a company, even a nation. See, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there are people in this room that what God wants to do is God wants to bless you in business because he wants to flow resource through you that will cause unreached people groups to hear the gospel of Jesus for the first time. But that character issue, 
that pride issue that's keeping you from walking in, in true humility, it's not just impacting you in your journey. It's not just having a ripple impact on your family. It has a ripple impact to the nations. Can I ask you an honest question? Were you obedient today in returning the tithe to the Lord? And beyond that, giving and offerings. Because I got news for you. You cannot outgive God. And the measure with which you give to God, it's the measure that he will give back to you. Pastor, you don't understand my financial situation. Listen to me. It's not my directive. It's God's directive. And I'm telling you, his plan works. See, you you can't ask God to provide for you and then go, God, I want you to provide for me, but God, I'm not going to listen to your your plan. I I used this illustration this morning to the pastors. I told them this. By the way, one of the best bakers on the planet and, and I, I, I use this example. I said, you know, if today, if we were to make cookies and leave out one tiny ingredient, baking powder, right? <laughs> These wonderful cookies that you dunk in milk and it soaks in the milk and it's just, it's always bad to talk about food in church. But scrumptious, right? Minus baking powder, you know what those cookies are? They're little hockey pucks. Little hockey pucks. And yet, if you look at that, you look at that big bowl, right, of cookie dough, and you look at that little teaspoon of baking powder, you go, it, how, can it, how can it matter that much? I wonder how many people at NASA said it's just an O-ring. It's just an O-ring. God understands God brought you here today to say this. I do understand. It's the reason I brought this message for you today, to let you know that this issue with your finances, that's the O-ring in your life. Friend, I'm not trying to get into your pocket. I'm telling you. I, 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 listen to me. I'd rather have you tithe to a different church and not give a penny here than give here and not tithe. I'm saying that from the bottom of my heart because I want you to live a life that's blessed because I believe this. I believe that God has a destiny for you. He wants you to walk in all of his fullness. He wants your family to walk in all of its fullness. And he wants that ripple effect to reach your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates, your relatives. And when we get it, it works. And when we get it, we can confidently say to God, God, according to your word, And God, according to my testimony, God, let your word and my testimony line up. Because that's what Nehemiah prays. Remember me, O God, for good, for blessing, for abundance. Remember me, O God, according to how I've lived out what you've told me to be and what you've told me to do. It's God's heart. It's God's plan for you. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.